Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Well, let's quote to you a couple of scriptures before we get into it. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, All things are possible to who? How many of you out there believe? All things are possible to him that believeth. And go to Matthew 17, verse 20. They couldn't cast out that evil spirit, and so they said, Why not, Lord? He said, Because of your unbelief. And he said, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith, if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, be removed unto yonder place. Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, or it shall remove for you. And nothing, listen, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, someone says that was just talking about a little bit of faith, but he wasn't. A mustard seed, just because it's the smallest, doesn't mean that's what he's talking about. Mustard seed is pure. In other words, other seeds have coatings and shells on the outside, but not a mustard seed. It's pure seed all the way through. In other words, if you have pure faith and no doubt, pure faith, you speak to that mountain, you speak to that thing in your life, and it'll go. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now that's individually. To you, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And, you know, we could just... We, we thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank God for the move of the Spirit. We thank God for miracles that take place and services and so on and so forth. But how about you in your own personal life? There's a great many people, Christians, that are living on the earth that will die and go off to be in glory with Him. That will never taste of the good things of God while they're down here. They'll not get their healing while they're down here. They'll not get delivered while they're down here. They won't get set free while they're down here. You know why? Because they were relying on the gift of the Spirit. They were relying on somebody else's faith. When Jesus said, if you'll just believe and have your own faith, He says, all things are possible unto him that believeth. Now, isn't that what He said? So He has given me a little boost, so to speak, to get back onto this subject of faith. And to get back on the principles that, God, that Jesus has laid down in the Word of God to teach ourselves individual faith so we can all have mountain-moving faith. Amen. And He said because of your unbelief you couldn't do it, but blessed be God, He said we can have faith to remove mountains. Isn't that right? And if we have that kind of faith, then blessed be God, He said, all things are possible to him that believeth. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. So, let's find out some principles. Go to Matthew's Gospel, the 13th chapter. We are going to just mosey on through this. We're going to take our good old time, so to speak. Amen. Is that all right with you? If we take our time? Because this is my favorite subject. Amen. Amen. It's called faith. Amen. The 13th chapter. We see a parable that Jesus teaches. It's also found in Mark 4 and Luke 8. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. We will be going back and forth. And we're going to take it apart, so to speak. And like I said, I'm not going to hurry through it. I'm not going to be pressed for time. 
All I'm going to do is just wherever we left, leave off tonight, we're going to pick up next time we meet. Amen. And we'll just keep on going just like that. Amen. You know why? You're going to find out when we read this here parable. This is a key to the operation of the kingdom of God in our own individual lives. If we could understand this, Jesus said you'll understand all parables. Let's begin reading with verse 1 and then we'll just go back and begin to expound. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung, uh, the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Let's stop right there because we're going to start right there. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing that's upon it. It will go forth into the heart of the believer and it will cause life and light to be developed in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Verse 11 is the answer. He answered and said unto them two reasons. One, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody said God works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. If he did, you couldn't figure it out. He doesn't work in mysterious ways. Jesus said, and we're going to see this here in a minute. Jesus said, I am speaking to you in this parable so you will know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And I'm speaking it to you. And the latter part, he says, but to them, the other ones, it's not given for them to know. Now, that struck me as funny for a minute. Now, I said, now, dear Lord, why didn't you just make it easy on all of us? But look at the two reasons why he, he spoke in parables. Number one, so that they that heard and listened would know the mystery and to those that thought they had it all wouldn't learn a thing and they'd be confounded. Now, let's start by saying the word mystery here means secret knowledge. Revealed knowledge. Secret knowledge. Knowledge that has not been revealed. So because it is given unto you to have knowledge that has not been revealed of the kingdom of heaven. And if you check out the other two uh, Gospels, it says the kingdom of God. Luke says the kingdom of God. Mark says the kingdom of God. Unto you it is given to have revelation knowledge of the kingdom of God. But to them it's not given. Now, I could best describe the word mysteries. Put a bookmarker there if you've got one. We're going to be referring to it. In Colossians, the first chapter... Let's just look at verse 25 and 20. We'll start with verse 25. A mystery, something that was hid or has not been revealed to us, secret knowledge. But Jesus said, I came speaking in parables so that I could give to you the secret 
knowledge of the kingdom of God or the operation of the kingdom of God. In verse 25 of this first chapter of the book of Colossians, Paul said, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. Secret knowledge. It's been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to who? When someone says they don't understand how God does things, actually what they're doing is showing their ignorance of God's Word. I say that with all the love in my heart, of course. But it's true. It's true. The reason why Paul wrote this was so that we could know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. You check 1 Corinthians, the first and second chapter, and he says that by the Spirit of God he has shown us all things that I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for those that love him. Now don't stop there. People stop right there. But God has revealed them on us by his Spirit. Verse 10 says. Isn't that right? Revealed them on us. And if we don't know it, it's because we haven't been studying the Bible. Amen. Okay, so he says I, I, he's come to reveal to us revelation knowledge, secret knowledge that has been hid from the foundations of the world. And it's the operation of the kingdom of, of God. Now let's go on and read this. Verse 27, to whom, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Wherein do I also labor, striving according to the working which worketh in me. How? Boy, I tell you what, let's just say that right along with Paul. You're not the only one that the working of the mystery of the kingdom of God, it's working in us mightily too. The word is working mightily in us too, brother Paul. Amen. And I know he's standing up there with all the heavenly host, looking over the banisters of heaven, and he's cheering on your faith, and he's cheering on my faith, along with all the witnesses. Amen? Amen. They've already passed to the other side, but glory be to God, they're up there cheering us on. Amen? Go on back there. Well, before we go back there, go on back to the book of James, because I'll just read that last part to you. Now, Matthew said, To us it is given to know, James 4, To us it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to them it is not given. Why did he hide it from them? I couldn't understand. I said, now, dear Lord, you, you made it simple for all of us. Why did you want to hide it from anybody? Why would you want to hide it from them? Well, God honors his word. And what God says is. Isn't that right? So let's read what he said over here in James 4, and you'll find the answer to that. Let's begin reading with verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Now listen. Stop there just for a moment. God resisteth the proud. The word resist means God stands against the proud. 
He resists the proud. He stands against you. You know, the Bible says, resist the devil. Isn't that right? Now listen to this. If God is resisting me, I don't have much a chance, do I? So if God is resisting me, there's no way I'm going to be able to know all of what He wants me to know because He's not given me the grace. But the humble He giveth to. So to those, as we're going to go back here and see, let's finish reading this verse. To those that come to Him in humility, more will be given. But to those that come to Him in pride, they'll be resisted. They won't get anything from God. Let's go on and read the rest of it. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and He shall lift you up. Now go back there, and let's find out some things He said over here in Matthew. And it'll open up our eyes. God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. Now listen. Verse 12. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. Look at the next part of that verse. And he shall have more abundance. What is God giving? Grace. God giveth grace to the humble. Okay? For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Let's just start, take the first part of that. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he's going to have even more in abundance. Now Jesus said in John 10, 10, I come that they might have life and might have it how? He came to give the life, and He came to give it more abundantly. He that hath, he that hath shall be given, and he'll have more in abundance. Isn't that right? Okay, how do we get abundance of grace? 2 Peter 1.3 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. He that hath shall be given more. How does it come? Through the what? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Do you know why that the Jewish people could not receive more grace? They had knowledge of God, but no knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. None. They would not accept Him. And we're going to see how this, pattern, this, this follows a pattern. God giveth grace... To the humble, they wouldn't humble themselves before the teachings of the Master. And so consequently, they couldn't get anything more from God. God was revealing to them knowledge, secret knowledge, revealed knowledge, hidden knowledge from the foundations of the world. With that knowledge would come more what? Grace. More grace. And it would be more in abundance. They didn't receive the abundance of grace. You ready for this scripture? Romans, hold your place there. Romans 5, 17. Are you ready to shout? I'm ready to shout. The more knowledge you receive of, the, of God and of Jesus our Lord, grace is multiplied unto you. Now let's, just, let's go just for a minute. Look, look up that scripture. Romans 5. 
Grace is multiplied. Resisting the, God resists the proud. He stands against him. But God's grace, he giveth grace. Grace is God's willingness to act on your part or in your behalf. Isn't that right? Grace is God's willingness to meet your needs. Isn't that right? So let's say God's grace is coming towards them that are humble, but God is resisting the proud. It's just the opposite, it's the opposite effect. Those that are proud, proud before the Lord... Those that are filled with pride, God resists. But those that come in, in humility of heart, humbleness of heart, they come and God gives grace and more grace. It's multiplied through the knowledge of God. And the more knowledge you gain, the more abundance of grace you have. The more God is pouring out towards you. Now look at this scripture, Romans five seventeen. For if by one man's offense, offense death reigned by one, much... More, much more, they which receive, what? Abundance of grace. Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. And one translation says, shall reign as kings in life. How? Through the abundance of grace. To him that hath righteousness shall be given more in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It will be multiplied unto you and it just triggers off the grace of God to fluently flow in your life. Continually. Then the more you got, the more you give, the more you receive. The more you have, the more you get. The more you have, the more you get. It's just like a sowing and reaping process. You can start off with one little seed. You put that thing in the ground, you get a bunch of tomato plants, you got a bunch of seeds. You put them in the ground, you get more, more plants, you got a bunch of seeds. And before you know it, you can just plant tomatoes everywhere. Amen. It's last God's grace is the same way. The more of it you got, the more you get. You know why? Because the more you got and get, the more you give out. And the more you give out, the more you get. And the more you get, the more you can give out. And the more you give out, then the more He gives you. God giveth grace. And to him that hath shall be given even in abundance. And if you have it in abundance, much more they that have the abundance of grace shall reign in this life like kings. Are you getting ready to learn how to reign in this life like a king? Just through the Word and God's grace? We're going to find out how to do it. Go on back. Let's go back to that last part, Matthew 13. We read the first part. We'll show you that exactly what he said is true. It all came to pass. But whosoever hath not... From him shall be taken away even that he hath. But if we look at it in Luke, that was, that was Matthew 13, 12, the latter part. Let's look at it in Luke, the 8th chapter. I like the way he stated it in Luke 8, 18. We'll just compare it. To, it's good to do this when, you, when you've got more than one gospel quoting the same parable or same... Testimony or healing or whatever. Now over here in Luke 8, 18. Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not from him shall be taken. Even that which he seemeth to have. Now another translation of that word seemeth would be even that which he thinks he has. So take heed what you're hearing and how you hear it. Because... 
Those that think they have something better watch out unless they don't have what they think they have and they're, they're going to have that, even that taken away from them if they don't hear what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. Now go to John 5 and I'll show you exactly what happened to them that believe that way. John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. Let's look at verse 37. Now the Jews thought they had knowledge of God and eternal life, didn't they? We've never been in bondage to any man, they said. We've got Abraham to our father. We've not been bound to anybody. Right? That's what they said. They said, we know God. Who are you born in sin? You're a sinner. But we know God, they said. We've got knowledge of God. We've got knowledge of eternal life. We know it all. That's what they figured. Well, let's look at the scripture over here. Jesus put them in their place. Verse 37, chapter 5. They seemed to think that they had eternal life and knowledge of God. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. You have neither heard his heard, you've neither heard, take heed what you hear, or how you hear. You've never heard his voice at any time, nor seen, nor seen, nor seen. You've neither heard, nor seen. You're going to see that whole parable is based on what you hear and see. The entire parable is based on what you hear and on what you see. He says, you've never heard his voice and you've never seen his shape. Let's go on. And you have not his word abiding in you. And there's another key figure to the same parable. And you've not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures. For in them you think that which he thinketh he hath shall be taken away. Look what he says. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify in me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Jesus came that they might have life in abundance. But they would not hear and they would not see. And so he said, you better be careful for how you hear and what you see and hear. Because if you're not, it, that which you think you have will be taken away from you. And that's exactly what happened to them. They thought they had it, but it was taken away and given to the Gentiles. Isn't that right? And we're going to see something. I'll tell you what, this is... He's actually showing you in this parable the whole operation of the kingdom of God, how it works. And if someone will grab a hold of this in their own individual life, it will not only get you saved, but it will get you healed. Well, we're going to tie healing right on into this too. It will get you saved and it will get you healed. Now go on back to Matthew 13. We're going to use that as our, at the beginning of this, our text. Now, therefore, this is verse 13, speak I to them in parables... Because they seeing, see not. Now, you, you underline that. Notice he says, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. Seeing, see not. Hearing, hear not. Okay, seeing. Seeing means they had revelation of God and of His Word. A limited revelation of God. I mean, the Gentiles didn't have a revelation of God, did they? No, they were without God. But God chose to reveal Himself to who? Israel. Okay, so seeing, they wouldn't see. They saw not. In other words, even though they had it to see, 
They chose not to understand it with their minds. Or they chose not to agree with that which was said. In hearing, they heard not. Even though the prophets came and said, "This Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. They heard not. That tells me two things. Number one, you can hear physically. Number two, you can hear spiritually. Hearing, Jesus said, you heard not. Seeing, he said, you did not see. No wonder Paul prayed and says that the eyes of your understanding would be open. Look at the last part. said they didn't understand either. Neither do they understand. Therefore speak out of them in parables, verse 13, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. There's results to seeing and to hearing the Word of God according to the way He said we should hear it and see it. And those results are, and that last part is, understanding it in your heart. We're going to see that in the next verse. Look at the next verse. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. Now Isaiah said that. Go on back with me to Isaiah the 6th chapter. Let's take it from his point of view, and we'll get back here. Put your bookmarker there. Isaiah said it in 6th chapter, verses 9 and 10. If you see with your spiritual eyes, if you hear with your spiritual ears... It'll cause you to understand in your heart. And if you understand it in your heart, your heart will begin to appropriate the things of the kingdom of God. You must see with your spiritual eyes. You must hear with your spiritual ears. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, this is what he quoted. Let's begin reading at verse 9. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and be converted. And be what? Now that sounds like God's doing it, but I want to clarify that for you. God's not doing it. There is a double effect of the Word of God in the heart of the believer. Twofold effect. Number one, if you hear the word, of, if you see the word, keep your eyes on that word, and you hear the word of God, let's talk about full gospel people, okay? All right, we call ourselves wide-eyed Pentecostals. Our eyes are wide open to the word of God. Amen? Well, it's better be. Okay, our eyes are open to the things of God and to the word of God. Our ears continually hear the fullness of the word of God. We see and we hear. But if we do not see spiritually, and if we do not hear with our spiritual ears, then the effect that the Word has in our heart is unbelief. Unbelief. Hardness of heart. That spirit, that soil, that ground, that heart becomes hardened. You ever try planting a seed on hard soil? Doesn't work too good, does it? No. That's what happens. So if you see and hear, Israel saw and heard, but seeing they saw not, and hearing they heard not. Because they didn't understand it with their heart. And so when Isaiah gave the word, God knew it would do exactly that to them. But God's got to get the word to us. There are people right now today, you preach, you preach faith to them, they don't, they don't either see it nor hear it with their spiritual eyes and ears. They don't want to hear it. Their heart becomes hardened to it, and consequently, it'll be taken away from them. Now, that last part of verse 10. 
He said, if you see with your eyes, hear with your ears, look at that last part. You'll understand with your heart and be what? And be converted and be what? And be healed. Now listen, go back to Matthew. We said that the gifts of the Spirit, we said that getting healed through other people's faith, is, it can happen. But what I want to talk to you tonight about is a method that will never fail in your individual life if you will take these principles of the Word of God, if you will apply these principles of the Word of God into your personal life. And when I say personal, I mean your personal life, nobody else's. Except children that are little enough that you may exercise your faith for them. If you will appropriate these principles in your life, not only will we have life more abundantly, but we'll also be healed. And if you say, I've been here, I've been there, I've been elsewhere, I've been to this place, I've been to that place, I've been to the other place, and I could not get my healing, if you'll do this, you'll get your healing. And you won't need anybody to lay hands on you. Now, I received a letter here. I don't know if our dear sister's with us here tonight, but she uh, gave me a letter that her sister wrote to her from Florida. And she said, uh, in the letter, I read the letter, she gave me the letter, she said, uh, I want you to know and I want to share with you that I've been everywhere to have people lay hands on me and ministers and pastors, they've laid hands on me and, and uh, I didn't get my healing and I, I hadn't been healed. She said, uh, I, you know, all these people prayed for me. She said, so on and so forth. And I've been suffering all my life with this pain in my body. All my life, she said. And in, that, in her testimony, she says, I want you to know this. My sister sent me the tapes from the healing, prayer and healing seminar we had here. She says, and I got those tapes and I listened to them. I listened to them. And I listened to them. She says, and I want you to know on March 30th, 1141... I received my healing, and now I am completely healed, delivered from all my life in this terrible pain. I am completely delivered and healed. Nobody touched her. Nobody touched her. All she did was listen to the Word and said, Glory be to God. Now, I thank God for these other methods. But I'll tell you what, if I wanted to stand in any office, any office in the body of Christ, it would be that which would teach the Word so that that Word could get Everybody here. Everybody saved. Everybody set free. Because that word being appropriated is the only method that will never fail in the heart of the believer. Now the other ones will work at some times for some people, someplace, somehow. But never for everybody all the time. This method will work for you every day of your life till Jesus comes. I mean that with all my heart. Now go back to Matthew 13. Let's read on verse 15. Now, for this people's heart is wax gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Wait a minute, he said they heard. Now, he's not talking about their, their physical ear now. He's talking about their spiritual ear. Their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes, they have closed. I didn't close them. They closed them. Okay? Lest at any time they should see with their eyes. And should under, or hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and what? And I should heal them. 
and I should heal them. Seeing with your spiritual eyes, hearing with your spiritual ears will cause you to be converted and it will cause Jesus to heal you. Did you notice that everywhere he talks about salvation, he talks about healing? I have never seen in the Word of God where he does not put the two together. I haven't found it yet. When he talks about life, he's talking about healing too. Everywhere in the Word of God. Now, seeing is relating to the mind. Understanding of the mind. We've got to have understanding of our mind. We've got to have a mental agreement. We've got to understand the Word of God. We've got to, number one, at least agree that the Word of God is true. Hearing with the ear brings what? Faith cometh by what? Okay. So seeing and understanding. We can understand the Word of God. If we hear with our spiritual ear, faith cometh. Faith is born of the heart. Faith cometh by hearing. Okay. And the last part says you'll understand where? In your heart. You've got to get it into your mind. You've got to get it into your thinking. When you get into your mind, you get into your thinking. It'll slip on down into faith in your heart. And you will understand the Word from your heart. And as you understand the Word from your heart, then the Word can begin to produce the end result. Now, let's go on down here to the 16th verse. But blessed are your eyes, for they see... And your ears, for they hear. Now slip over to Mark 4. Hold your place there. Let's see what he said. Mark 4. Mark 4, 24. We're going to compare this with Luke 8, 15. Or 8, 18. In Mark 4, 24, he said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see. He said back there in Matthew. He said, And your ears, for they hear. But in Mark 24, 24, he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be what? Okay, it's given. God giveth grace to the humble. As you submit yourself to what you're hearing of God's word. Now back there in James he said to do what? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He giveth grace to those that submit to his word. And what does he do to those that resist his word? What does he do? He resists them. Those that will not accept the word or hear the word, he resists. Those that will hear the word, he gives grace. More grace, knowledge, and wisdom, and understanding, and your eyes will be open if you ask for it, if you hear and receive it. Now, compare that. Notice what he said here. Let's, let's go over that again. Take heed what you hear, okay, with what measure you hear, or the amount of what you're hearing, the amount of the things that you're hearing is the same amount He's going to give to you and even more so. If you're hearing the Word spiritually and you continue to hear the Word, so take heed as to what you hear. If you're hearing the television and the radio and all the other things of life and all the doubt and unbelief and all the things about the medical profession and all the diseases that are going around the world, take heed what you hear. Because if you hear that, that's what's going to be dominant in your heart. 
Go over there to Luke's Gospel, the 8th chapter. He said, take heed what you hear. Luke 8. Take heed therefore, this is verse 18, how you hear. Luke 8, 18. Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. Now, what does he mean? How are you hearing? Are you hearing with your physical ear? Or are you hearing the word with your spiritual ear? If you're hearing with your physical ear, it's not going to do you any bit of good. If you are hearing with your spiritual ear, you are going to have something. Faith cometh by hearing. Okay, now look what he said here. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken that which he seemeth to have. In other words, it seems as though to me, the more I hear, then the more I hear with my spiritual ear, then the more I'm going to have. And the more I have, the more I have to give. The more faith I get, the more faith I could use. The more I receive, the more I have. So take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear it. Now, most people read over these verses of Scripture. You ever, did you ever read through the Bible and say, You know, I've read that many, many times before, but it just didn't seem like it was like to me? Because you weren't hearing it with your spiritual ears. You were hearing it with your physical ears. Consequently, it did not become light, and you didn't have it. But once it did, it became revelation knowledge. You know what happened when that became revelation knowledge? God was able to get His grace to you in that area. Do you know what happened to that lady when she got revelation knowledge of it was God's will to heal her? What happened? It activated the grace and mercy of God. Faith was built up in her heart. She knew God wanted to do it. Just lifted up her hands to the Lord and said, Glory to God, I receive it. But she couldn't do that without knowledge. Knowledge came. Faith was there. It received from God. God's grace. Abundance of grace. Caused her, causing her to reign in life. Right now, by one Christ Jesus. Can you see that? Now that's going to happen to every one of us. And if we'll take these principles and, and lay these a foundation down, and we'll obey them. Now I don't know why, but for some reason, some of us don't think that, that the things of the Spirit work by law. How many of you know we got physical laws we got to obey? How many of you know there's laws of nature? There are spiritual laws. These spiritual laws work. If we obey spiritual law, they'll work on our behalf. That's how you got saved. Go back with me uh, to Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Let's begin with verse 20. Proverbs 4. If I am to take heed what I hear, if I'm to take heed as to how I hear it, If I have to obey spiritual law, then he has got to write it in the book. He's got to have it for me here so that I can obey it. Let's begin reading with verse 20. You mark this down either in your Bible or on your notepad. That this is God's way of taking heed to what you hear and how you hear it. And attending to God's word. Listen. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear... Unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. 
Keep them in the midst of your heart. Seeing they saw not. Hearing they heard not. Consequently, they did not understand in their heart. Take heed what you hear and how you hear it. Let's, let's look at something. My son, attend to my word. The word attend means to focus your mind or your attention. Focus your mind or your attention on what? On my word. Incline means to submit or to bow down. Submit unto God. Submit unto God's word or bow down. You know it takes humility to bow to God's word? I've actually heard people say Bible or no Bible, I don't care. Somebody gets on my case about preaching faith. They say, you know, Mark eleven twenty three. you're just taking a few scriptures. And you quote a few scriptures and say you can have what you say, you can have what you desire, you can have what you believe. How come? I say, what does the scripture say? I know what the scripture says, but how come you preach it like that all the time? I say, what does the scripture say? They don't want to hear it. They do not want to bow down to that word. Does it not say what things whoever you desire when you pray, believe, you receive, and you shall have them? Did I write it? Did Jesus write it? Did he write it? Did he mean it? Then submit to it. Focus your mind on that. Listen to this. Focus your mind on what he said there in Mark 11, 23 and 24. See, you won't get it just by understanding it in your mind. And we're going to see how you won't get it by receiving it either. But when you put these three together, you, you'll see how you can get it. So, attend to my words. In other words, focus your attention, your mind on my word. Then number two, incline or submit. Submit. Now the eyes, he said, to keep on the word. Keep your eyes on the word. Now notice this last part. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Do what to them? Protect. Protect. This opened up my eyes. Protect. Protect. Put that by your Bible there. Keep. Protect. Did you ever see a farmer go out there and plant a seed? And then have to protect it by pulling out the weeds? Making sure it got the right water? Or putting some plastic on it if the frost would come if it was up out of the ground? Did you ever see him do that? Or take care of the land and cultivate it and, you know, put the right kind of fertilizer, etc., etc. Some of you, if you're a farmer out there, you know what I'm talking about. But you take care of that crop. Isn't that right? You take care of the seed. And if you take proper care of it, what will it produce in its end result? Fruit. Did you notice he said that at the end result, of, if you follow this parable, you'll produce fruit, some 30, 60, 100 fold? And fruit is nothing more but the end result. Isn't that right? You want to be healed? You want to be saved? It's the end result. Now let's go back and compare this. Well, let's look at the last verse. Verse 22. What is the end result of following these steps? For they are... What? They shall be converted. And they are what? And be healed. He said, if you'll see with your eyes, hear with your ears, 
understand in your heart, you'll be converted and healed. He said, if you attend to the Word, if you incline or submit your ear to what He's saying, if you don't let them depart from your eyes, if you keep them in the midst of your heart, protect them, what will it be? Life. And what else? Health. To all who's yours. Can you see that that's God's formula? Now go back to Matthew. Let's look at 13. Notice the end result is life and health. Before we go, actually go through the parable, let's look at the end result. Verse 23. And let's compare what each, each writer of the gospel said happened in good soil. Verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and what? I right, underline that. Which also beareth fruit. What kind of fruit? It bears fruit if you what? Hear it and what? Understand it. All right, Mark, mark that down. Okay, next one. Mark 4.20. Matthew said, hear it and what? Understand it. Mark said, 4.20, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as, What? Okay, it's always hearing. And then what? Okay, understand it. Receive it. Go to Luke. Luke 8. Verse 15. Notice the heart is the ground or the person's Spirit, but they are but that on, but that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, what understand it, receive it, and what? What did he say back there? Focus your mind on it, right? Understand it, receive it, and. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Now, the farmer, unless he keeps that seed in the middle of the ground, under the soil, do you think it'll grow? Do you think it'll produce fruit? Do you think you'll have an end product or an end result on that crop? No. That's why most people do not get their healing. They pull it out of the ground before it's had time to grow. And before you had time to get the end result, the manifestation of your healing is the end result. It is not the seed planted. The seed planted will grow up and produce the end result if it's understood, received, and kept right here in the middle of your heart. Now, what kind of soil does a farmer plant his crop on, his seeds? What kind? Huh? What kind? Go to Colossians. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 
Third chapter. How many of you know that the word is the seed? Okay. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you how? If you got a farmer and you told him there's the rich soil over there, where do you think he'd plant his crop? In the richest. Do you ever drive by and see some developments and they take all the rich topsoil off? Isn't that right? And you say, why didn't they leave that for my grass? But they just get it out of the way and leave you the clay. <laughs> do you ever try planting grass? You get a bunch of weeds, amen? I know we did that, my wife and I. And uh, we got... Thank the Lord we, we, we had put some extra topsoil on, but those that, that around us that didn't do it, they got, you know, weeds and crabgrass. But if you plant it in the rich soil, you're going to get a rich crop. Now, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you how? Richly in all what? Okay. If you let that seed... Now, listen when I say this. The seed is the word, right? Okay. Is the seed corruptible? 1 Peter 1.23. Look it up. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of... By the... Listen, by the Word of God, which what? Liveth and abideth forever. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. Are you hearing me? Listen now. What is corruptible? The seed? No. If a farmer plants half his seeds, and some of them are no good, but they won't come up, right? The Word is incorruptible. It's the heart. It's the soil. It's not the seed. The seed will grow and work in everybody that will hear it, receive it, understand it, plant it, keep it richly in your heart. It will work. The only thing that could stop it from working is the soil. The soil is your heart. In this parable, he goes on to tell you all about the soil. All about the soil of our hearts. But the Word will work. It's designed to work for you. It will produce the end result. It will never fail. Now we're going to take it verse by verse. Go back to Matthew. It's hot. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Matthew 13. We stop at verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. From verses 19 through 23, he talks about the heart. You go to Mark 4. He gives you a same, the same description. Let's go to Mark 4. <clears throat> From verses 14 through 20, he gives you the condition of the heart. In verse 13, he tells you why this parable was written. And he tells you that if you understand this parable, glory to God. <laughs> 
You'll understand all the operation of the kingdom of God. Amen. Now listen. Verse 13. Let's read it together. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? Know ye not this parable? How will you know all parables? Stop right there. Put this in your Bible. If I understand this parable, I'll know all of the operation of the kingdom of God. I'll be able to be saved and healed. And the word will dwell in my heart richly, in wisdom, and it will bring forth fruit, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. You got it? Put it in your notepad. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say it again. <laughs> I don't remember it all. <laughs> Verse 13. If you know this parable, you'll know the operation of the kingdom of God. In your heart, it'll produce 30, 60, 100 fold. The word will dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, and you'll be able to understand the kingdom of God. Amen. So we're going to start right there next week, and we're going to pick up the entire parable, the entire three of them, put them together, and see how they work. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.